Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Chan. Hello. And today we are discussing chapter 18 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. This is very exciting. It's the last chapter in volume one. The rehearsals continue, leading up to a very big rehearsal of the first three acts. Fanny finds herself very useful. Then Edmund and Mary both turn up in the East Room to rehearse with her and end up rehearsing together, which is awfully painful for her. Then they have their evening rehearsal. They're just about ready to go. They convince Fanny to act, even though she doesn't want to. And then Sir Thomas arrives. Yay. So exciting. I could feel it building as well. I know what's coming. It's another chapter of all these inner voices and all these complaints about each other and poor Fanny's the recipient of everything from everyone. It reminds me of one of the early chapters of Persuasion where Anne turns up at Upper Cross. That's right and she's got the two girls talking about Mary Mary, and, and then Mary talking about Charles yes. and Charles talking about Mary yes. and Mrs Musgrove talking about Mary I hadn't thought about that before, but I guess Anne and Fanny are, are similar in that way, that people will come to them and tell them And there are wrong. people like that who end up being the ear for both sides because they won't make any judgment calls or statements. Mm-hmm. The chapter starts off with everybody having a great time. They're all really enjoying the theatre. Then it starts to fall apart. Everybody began to have their vexation. Fanny, being always a very courteous listener, and often the only listener at hand, came in for the complaints and distresses of most of them. This is her again being put in the role as confidant. Edmund is very good at putting her in. And she had the terror of complaints from Mr. Rushworth about Mr. Crawford. But then in the end, he turns to her and says, do you think there is anything so very fine in all this? And again brings up the fact that Mr. Crawford is short. An undersized little mean-looking man set up for a fine actor. It's very ridiculous in my opinion. That actually brought to mind a famous actor of the period, which was Edmund Keane, who was also a short little man, but highly regarded. He was the actor of the time. Austen would have known about him. She may even have seen him perform because he performed all over the country, even went over to Canada. So you think she might have had him in mind when she was writing Mr. Crawford, Mr. and Crawford. then calling Edmund, Edmund. There's a lot of reuse of names, of course, in Austin. Mm, that's true. But, and he also had quite a scandalous life. He was divorced. Looking about the parallels, potentially there may be some inspiration for Mr. For, Crawford. for Mr. Crawford in that character. Mr. Crawford was considerably the best actor of all. Fanny did not like him as a man, but she must admit him to be the best actor. I wonder if the way that he lives his life has prepared him to be the best actor because he always seems to be playing a part. And that's something that she felt always. He plays the part to meet what he thinks the person he's talking with wants to see from him. Miss Crawford is similar in that way. When she goes to see Fanny and asks Fanny to act with her, she says, um, how am I ever to look him in the face and say such things? Could you do it? But then he is your cousin, which makes all the difference. Kind of pushing Fanny at a certain distance. But then she goes on to say, 
You must rehearse it with me, that I may fancy you him. You have a look of his sometimes. And the idea of representing Edmund, which was so strongly calculated to inspire, the narrator is telling us quite clearly that Miss Crawford knew exactly what she was doing. If she said that, Mm -hmm. that Fanny would feel like she should represent her cousin and stand in for him. That manipulation of the Crawfords. Which is what they're very good at, and they're good at doing it. It's quite opposite to Mrs Norris with her manipulation, which is so blatantly so. Theirs is quite subtle, but it's still manipulation all the same. because Mrs Norris will tell you what she wants you to do, but they will convince you to do it. Yeah, but Mrs Norris will also go on to Fanny about, you know, how she should be grateful and all this and the other. She does that in this chapter. She does it all the way through. Whereas they are very much about how grateful they are for what she does and their willingness to listen and you're the best person for this role or whatever, which makes it even more difficult for her because they're actually acknowledging her goodness. They're being nice to her. In a sort of twisted way, they may be being like, she obviously holds a candle for Edmund, but I want Edmund, so I'm going to at least try to be pleasant to her and actually, I'm not going to rub her nose in it, but be honest about it. Very manipulative. Fanning's been longing and dreading to see how Miss Crawford and Edmund are going to act together. Well, having seen Henry Crawford and Mariah. Trying not to embrace. That description of their acting, Mr Crawford and Mariah, that's from Miss Crawford. And mm. she manages to manipulate Mr Rushworth right then because he's there. Yes. And she says, isn't Mariah so maternal? was not that well done of me. She knows what's going on there and she's continuing to manipulate the situation. Because she knows she's actually got very little influence over Henry when it boils down to it. She could not convince him to give her a home. And she couldn't convince him to stop playing around with Mariah. She knew that he was playing with fire. Miss Crawford turns up first, shattering Fanny's solitude and asks for her to read with her. Fanny agrees, then about halfway through the act, Edmund turns up, and they're so excited that they both thought of Fanny. Her spirits sank under the glow of theirs, and she felt herself becoming too nearly nothing to both to have any comfort in having been sought by either. She did feel special for a minute there. But then as soon as they were in each other's company, she was forgotten. I wonder what it would have been like if Fanny and Edmund had read the scene together. Interesting. Yes, we never had the opportunity, did we? All the sexual tension. No. Would she have found it harder than Miss Crawford, or would she have got into it? She finds it really difficult to watch, and at one point actually closes the book and turns away because she is not coping, and they assume it's because she's tired. She deserved their pity more than she hoped they would ever surmise. She doesn't want them to know, and I do think that Edmund's oblivious to the whole thing. Miss Crawford's more aware, but Edmund really is, he's got no idea. How desperately awkward to be in love with someone that you see every day and they do not know. And then their girlfriend realises, for want of a better term. So it comes to the evening and they're going to do their three acts. But you've missed the bit about Mrs Norris and her curtain. And Lady Bertram, who actually does try to do things, but Mrs Norris constantly 
She succumbs Company. to... These are fine times for you. I have been slaving myself for I can hardly stand. You are the best off, I can tell you. But if nobody did more than you, we should not get on very fast. And uh, Yeah, and then Lady Bertram says, I'd like to go to the rehearsals. What is it about, Fanny? And Mrs Norris goes, Pray do not ask her now, for Fanny is not one of those who can talk and work at the same time. My slave, not yours. And then she does go on about the curtain. I am very much mistaken if you do not find it drawn up into very handsome festoons. And as we were reading, I mentioned, what's the point in watching the rehearsals if you're to watch the final? Will it not ruin it when it's staged? People always do like to watch the rehearsals. Except for the fact that Tom keeps inviting people. They are only staging it for the people in the house. And if they watch all the rehearsals... When you watch a rehearsal, you only ever see bits of things. The only time you ever see a end-to-end is if you go and see the dress rehearsal, rehearsal, for example. But most of the time, you often see little snippets and everything. So you quite often don't get a feel for the play. But it can be interesting. It's like everything. It's really interesting to look at the work that goes in behind the scenes, as it were, before you get the finished version. I think I worry that the story would lose some of the impact if you're seeing it in bits and when it's not fully ready. That's probably quite a valid point. But sometimes, because you're seeing a snippet here and a snippet there, you don't necessarily get the feel of that whole, how it fits together. It's only when you see the whole thing from end to end that you see, oh, so that's what that was all about. That was the thing that I thought was missing. They don't have a director, you see, or a producer. Tom both? Tom's useless. <laughs> Tom's no director, is Trying he? to do several roles at once and then feeling that they're all insignificant. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. He was so clean to be, what was it, the country yokel or whatever it was. The rhyming butler. The rhyming butler. The so comic roles. He wanted to be funny. So it comes to the evening and they're going to rehearse their first three acts. But Mrs. Brandt isn't there. Her pleasant manners and cheerful conformity made her always valuable amongst them. That is a contradiction, because earlier they were saying she She laughs all the time. And then they all, even Edmund, tried to convince Fanny to do it. You can imagine it, can't you? Sitting there, whole room of people, and they're all turning around and looking at Fanny at the same time, and she's thinking, oh, shit. (laughs) Well, not quite that. She'd be thinking, oh, dear. Oh, dear. She would not say she wanted to why had not she rather gone to her own yes. room and she had felt to be safest yes. instead of attending the rehearsal at all? She had known it would irritate and distress her. She had known it her duty to keep away. She was properly punished. She's beating herself up. This is my fault. Yes. I walked into this. Yes. Edmund repeats his wish with a look of even fond dependence on her good nature. She must yield. Edmund has slipped so far. He has. I'm glad it stops where it does. Because it does stop, because the most exciting thing happens in the very last sentence, the last two sentences. Julia rushes into the room. My father has come. He is in the hall at this moment. End of first volume. What a place to end it. And you can just imagine, Mr. Yates and Mr. Rushworth would be quite oblivious. The Crawfords know they've been misbehaving. The Crawfords know, but the The Bertrams know. know. Oh, we are in the shit. It's a really interesting place to end the volume. There is a lot still up in the air. 
is Edmund going to succumb to Miss Crawford? It appears very much as he will. Will Henry and Mariah end up together and Mr. Rushworth disappear into the sunset? How will Sir Thomas deal with the theatre? How will he deal with all the familiarities that have been going on inside the theatre? And what will Mrs. Norris do with those curtains? (laughs) What brings Sir Thomas home now? I think he had an opportunity to get a ship, didn't he? He did, and we find that out in the next chapter. It's just very convenient for the plot. In the last chapter, Mrs. Grant was talking about we do not do so well without him. He keeps everybody in their place. And this is the point where everything was spinning out of control. Even Fanny, who is so, so good, has just been convinced to do something that is against her morals, completely out of control, and then he steps in and it's going to stop that spinning. She would have been the one person, and Lady Bertram, who would have been delighted to see him walk in, with a bit of fear on her part. Well, she's always been scared of her uncle, really. But, but relief. Actually, those two are the two that would feel relief as well. Almost everybody else, apart from... Aghast. Yeah. Mr. Yates. Guilty. Mr. Yates would, is... Well, we can still go ahead, can't we? Yeah, what's the problem? And that is our summary of Chapter 18 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading.